All right, so this rarely happens, but it's happening right now. The new album from the artist who was on the show comes out today. Today is the day it's out. Unless, of course, you're listening to this program in the future, and the album, well, clearly, it's been out for some time. And if you're listening to this program in the future where there's been an apocalypse, stop listening and go find some water. There isn't a podcast out there that's going to hydrate you. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. To the truth you want Make up shit, believe in it Choose direction, go with flow Navigate your way back of the Bats, a band which features my guest today on the program, Paul Keen. Let me tell you a little bit about the Bats and Paul Keen. Well, it's hard for me to think of a more charming, beguiling, and altogether mysterious band than the Bats. The New Zealand outfit got their start in 1982 in Christchurch, and their 1984 By Night EP was one of the first releases for the now-legendary Flying Nun label. Flying Nun aren't the only legendary ones in this conversation. The Bats fall into that category as well. With ten albums under their belts, including classics like Silver Beat, The Law of Things, and Free All the Monsters, the Bats remain one of the most consistently brilliant bands around. Although they're based in New Zealand, over the course of their career they've toured the U.S. and Europe— including a stint opening for Radiohead. Their CV also includes playing South by Southwest, getting rave reviews from magazines ranging from Mojo to Uncut, being shortlisted for the prestigious Tate Music Prize, and playing in front of nearly 150,000 people for the Free Relief concert in Hagley Park after the 2010 Canterbury earthquake. During that set, they were joined by Christchurch Mayor Sir Bob Parker. He picked up the guitar and joined the Bats, and it was pretty cool. Now, the Bats sometimes take a year between records, and other times they take ten. But no matter how long they take, their work just keeps shining with that unique Bats sound. Their new album, Foothills, might even be their best yet. Filled with sneaky rhythms, wistful melodies, and poetic lyrics, the Bats have never sounded better. Why do the Bats always sound like the Bats? Well, because no Bat has ever left the cave. Like you too, they've had the same lineup for over 40 years. As for Paul Keen, well, Paul has played in bands like Toy Love, Thanks to Llamas, and Mini Snap, and he's done sound engineering for The Clean, The Chills, The Verlaines, and Sneaky Feelings. And in 2012, he was inducted into the New Zealand Music Hall of Fame, and he won the Herald Legacy Award as a member of Toy Love. Paul and I had a lovely chat, and you're about to hear it. This is me and Paul Keen of The Bats, Right here 
on Stereo Embers, the podcast. Very good, actually. Um, uh, I, I have a day job that um, helps um, uh, fund my creative career, <laughs> and I've uh, got to the point where I've cut down the hours for that, so I can spend more time on on the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and we spend a lot of time up here at uh, Kawai Bush with the. Um, I don't know. Have you seen the video for Another Door? I have. Uh, so it, this is where we filmed it, and I'm actually in the little hut right now. <laughs> I'll show you out the window there. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> wow, there's uh, s- snowy mountains over there, <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm in, inside the place. So if I go over there, you can see downstairs a little oh, bit. Oh yeah! <laughs> what a cool place! Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> it's neat. Um, so uh, yeah, we we bought this about five years ago. This property is a uh, uh, pine forest. Essentially, it was. And um, we've got a little cottage up the road, but um, this is the the sunny spot, which gets, gets a lovely view of the mountains. <laughs> it's absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it's great. It's lovely. Yeah. So, so we escape here whenever we can. It's only an hour out of Christchurch, so yeah, nice and handy. <laughs> there, yeah. And how have you been doing in terms of pandemic? In, ter- in terms of your general thinking, are you are you how are you keeping it all in perspective? Um. We, we're pretty lucky in, uh, in the South Island of New Zealand, especially um, in Christchurch. We've, um, we've managed to cap uh, COVID-19. Uh, so we haven't had any cases here for quite a while. I think the only case we've had in the last month has been someone that was in quarantine that had come back from overseas. So hmm. Auckland uh, have been in a bit of a more stringent lockdown situation up there. So they're suffering a little bit more. Gigs, not so good. Um, mm. You know, we've had a few gigs we've had to postpone or cancel. So, uh, yeah, hey-ho, it's all right. We've, we're, we've been pretty philosophical about it and we um, hope we can share our music through recordings and videos and hopefully we'll do a um, bit of a, a live stream of the Bats gig when the album comes out. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's that's our plan right now. But, yeah. Have you, have you always been a... Cause I, I, I look at your career and I think like you have struck me as someone who has not had periods of, um, of creative malaise. You seem like you're very productive. Ha- have you always been pretty productive? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, we always seem to have some musical thing going on. Uh, if it's not the bats, it was a period of time when Bob was busy with the clean and he also had his other side project Magic Heads which are an absolutely wonderful band from uh, down in Dunedin uh, we, when they were active we were kind of twiddling our thumbs waiting for our turn with Bob <laughs> and um, discovered that um, Kay could write songs which was great so it's the, the other three of the bats uh, Malcolm Kay and myself uh, did this mini snap uh, project and uh, added an extra uh, person and at one stage we had two extra people on board to pretty much um, lower our average age <laughs> and um, raise our average height because they're both tall young buggers. <laughs> so we kind of thought 
toyed on the idea of calling it Mexi Snap for a while, but no, we're back to uh, a four piece at the moment, and we're doing a gig next week actually with that. So, well, uh, because it's in Christchurch and it's in one of those places where you can fit enough people in to make it worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Fun. So you, so you have always, you've always maintained a really steady creative pace. Yeah, yeah, um, and. Uh, uh, I think when it's not a band thing, I'm often twiddling and trying out solo things. I'm not terribly good as a songwriter, but I'm, uh, I enjoy doing instrumental stuff, and it's pretty different to the bats <laughs> or mini yeah. snap. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, pr- basically because I just cannot um, write lyrics, I suppose. It's got a lot to do with that. If I started writing songs, they'd probably sound uh, very cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And yeah, just recently we've been actually doing some recording with Hamish Kilgar. So yeah, he's he's been living in Christchurch, uh, pretty much stuck over here. Um, he's been based in New York for about thirty years, but he's uh, yeah, unfortunately uh, got himself to New Zealand. Not a bad place to be stuck at this time. Uh, yeah, no. but uh, unfortunately he's got his uh, his uh, kid and. Uh, uh, his, I call her an ex <laughs> in New York, which he, um, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, missing. Yeah. What is your, um, in terms of your daily practice, are you, are you fairly disciplined and have you always been a fairly disciplined musician? Uh, I don't know that I call it disciplined. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think, um, I kind of wait for the moment to come for my own projects you know i i can't just throw myself into it but sometimes got an inspiration or, or um you know just away a yeah i think most people cycle in and out of moods and, and uh, creative uh, inspiration so um yeah i wait for that to pop along <laughs> usually assisted by some device that will stimulate me and take me in a different direction that i'm uh, you know, not expecting you know it's just fun <laughs> When you when you realize, well, this is my instrument. I mean, like, was it the bass guitar? Was it the bass that really first rang your bell as a as a musician? Yeah, I, I think I originally started. Um, pick, I picked up an in- instrument. Well, if I go right back when I was about three, I found a, an egg slicer in in the cupboard and I <laughs> plunked on that. <laughs> That's my <laughs> earliest memory of an instrument. But um, my sister had a guitar when I was about. 13, 14, acoustic guitar. And, you know, that was lying around the place. So I used to pick that up, but um, you know, I didn't get much past just doing ragari type things going up and down the neck. <laughs> um, and then um, another sister's boyfriend actually um, played TGS bass. And um, I thought, oh, one string, big box, cheap, easy. <laughs> yeah. So I played TGS bass to start with, actually. And then, um, then my mum, I think, bought me a drum kit <laughs> so I bashed away on that and you know again it was kind of tribal beats rather than anything sort of a uh, uh, disciplined or you know I, I, I couldn't pull myself away from doing any um, disco beats or any other sort of beats than a tribal kind of beat which is weird um, I used to love dancing as well so and I used to sing on the dance floor uh, you know sing along to the bands but not only sing the songs but make some funny weird noises <laughs> as well so so um, yeah and then um, an- another inspiration for me was actually my father who had a beautiful baritone voice and um, used to um, you know when when he was singing uh, yeah I just loved those bass harmonies and the bass sort of approach from his from his voice and I thought oh great my my voice hadn't broken at that stage and I didn't think I was going to have a baritone voice 
for a while. <laughs> so um, I thought, well, maybe I can interpret some of this feeling that I'm getting on on a bass guitar. So that's where I. That's why I went there. I think, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to hear because you know, a lot of people who listen to the show are young musicians. And I always feel that it's really important for them to hear, um, you know, were you the kind of guy who was practicing all the time? Were, were you somebody that even at a young age um, could disappear into your instrument? Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I could actually. I think I, that um, I, a lot of the time it was trying to make your fingers go where you really wanted them to go. But I think I discovered also um, after a while that, um, unless you're going to sort of parrot fashion play some other one's style, you know, like your fav- favorite bass player or whatever, um, you've you've got to got to take care not to try and and find things just on the instrument and find things in your head more. Uh, and and I often would find that um, you know when we were first playing with a, with a band, but yeah, you know, uh, and might have been jamming around, and I I might have been the in the kitchen or outside and hear them play, playing. Something would pop into my head, and I thought, oh, there's an idea, and then I'd go in and interpret that on bass. <laughs> so yeah, and and that still happens today. You know, like I find like if I'm not getting inspired by having my instrument on me, <laughs> uh, I'll I'll put it down and walk away and and um, and listen from a distance and, and then, yeah, I don't know. It just works for me. <laughs> yeah, we in 2020 we call that mindfulness. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lovely. Right. Oh, great. <laughs> right? Like they'll say things like, "This is very California." They'll say things like, "Go outside and just listen and and see if you can identify four or five sounds that you weren't actually paying attention to." Oh, right. <laughs> right. How about that. Yeah. Ahead of my time here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> mindfulness must have been around from the year dot, I guess. Right, of <laughs> course. A new a new name for something else, like, I don't know, inspiration or something like that. Yeah, we're just, we're so, just rebranding it, Paul. Yeah, yeah. That's constantly <laughs> happening, isn't it? Yeah. I, it is. I, yeah, it I is. find at the day job, we're con- constantly being told by some consultants how to do our job in a wonderful new way. And, oh, wait a minute, we've already done it with uh, the name evolving about three times over my career. Uh, It's the same thing. And don't try to tell me how to think it will be. Yeah, look, it's crazy. I know. But they make good money. They make good money out of being consultants and and coming up with great new catchphrases. (laughs) Blue sky statements, aren't they? Is that that the other thing? Or they used to call them that. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I mean, it's interesting because I, you know, for me, for a living, I teach college, I I teach university, I'm I'm an English professor, and I also do this this show, and I'm a writer. And and there are times where I feel that it's it's not hard, but sometimes to, to move from one discipline to the next, where it's like, now I'm, now I'm interviewing the bats, now I'm grading an essay. Um, yeah. How do you manage to, to go from the day job, which, you, which you've referenced, to being a, an artist? Is that, is that a hard mix, or is one just a relief from the other? Uh, yeah, pro- probably a bit of that. But the day job is, is good because it is an event. So, um, and I've been lucky enough to have created a, a nice uh, series, summer series in, in our hometown of Sunday concerts for, for music. So I, I, I can uh, I curate the, 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 uh, you know, the um, program and uh, do all the production side of it. So I, I, yeah, like I sometimes will pull in an exit, I 
personally don't much like, but I know will appeal to the audience. Uh, but, uh, you know, pepper it with some of the good ones. So um, that, that helps me, you know, keeping in tune with the music career. Uh, and sometimes I'll find myself before going to work, picking up my bass or a guitar and having a little plunk before I head off on my way. <laughs> and, um, you know, set some music in my brain and, um, you know, listen to listen to music on my way to and from work, that sort of thing. So segueing, I suppose, between. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So no, yeah. no, it's not, it's not too hard. It's not too hard. Um, and, and prior to the present job I've got, I, I was doing orientation festivals at our, our local university. I did them for 16 years and that was fantastic fun. Bloody exhausting, but yeah, like, um, yeah really good, really good time. The music that you're listening to, is it stuff that you, from your life, or is it new stuff? Like, are you always seeking out new things, or are you going back to the stuff that's tried and true in your in your soul? Ah, well, um, I think for a long time I turned all the old stuff off uh, and explored new music. And um, I did a... Uh, a radio show on the student radio station here for uh, for um, about 12 years, um, like a brunch show. And um, that was great for exploring new music. And um, yeah, so, but I don't really, really search hard or, or, or go out of my way to find new music. I do try every now and again, I'll try to find something fresh and new that might be recommended. But um, uh, the music that, comes face to face with me is generally through people that I have a uh, like a connection with either through friends or um, other musicians uh, or my daughters. <laughs> so yeah, um, Aldous Harding, uh, Marlon Williams are both uh, friends of one of my daughters, and um, yeah, and luckily enough, uh, they <laughs> they created wonderful music. So yeah. you know those acts, yeah, 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 absolutely. So. Yeah, you know, they've they've been ones we've been favouring listening to lately, and and then the other daughter has uh, been doing videos for a group called the Beths over here, who are absolutely wonderful. They're uh, guitar pop, um, but oh, just delightful, <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, and is there is there some stuff when you when you listen to it, and and I it's it's interesting to sort of think about this. Like, do you? Is there something competitive in you where you go, oh, I could do that? Or, or are you... <laughs> uh, there might be a degree of it. I mean, I, I do know that when I, I occasionally tune into um, different stations on the radio in the car you know, uh, to, to, to see what's, what else is on offer, if, if the, my preferred ones of national program or student radio aren't really um, offering up the good stuff uh, and I'll come across a top Tweety station and uh, yeah, I hear the music and I think, wow, this sounds, this is nicely produced. This is great. And then after about two or three songs, I think, yeah, Jesus, they're all following a formula here. They sound like they're using sequenced uh, music uh, and they've got vocals sort of highly produced and sparkling out and um, yeah, just, just using um, some pretty predictable kind of uh, tricks <laughs> yeah. to, to make make stuff sound great, and it, that puts me off a bit. But I think, ah, oh, shit! I go back to our music, and I think, oh god, I love what we do, <laughs> and I find that so much more. I don't know, it's an, almost an organic uh, feel to it, and there's uh, 
yeah, I love my own music. I love the music I play, and I love the the people I play with. So yeah, it's <laughs> all that's good. Well, <laughs> so the competitiveness is yeah, it's not so much. Um, I could do better than that as I'm doing better than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, I, li- I like yeah. that. It's it's nice to feel to hear that 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 fire is is you know is still there, yeah. right? <laughs> well, well, the other thing is. Uh, uh, what I love about it, and I just thought about this the other day, is that um, I love our audiences. Um, I love the people that listen to us. I find that we have a really great, great bunch of intelligent, good-thinking people who are, um, you know, are, are lovely. <laughs> so um, if that if our music's appealing to them, then I think we're doing the right thing. I, I would hate it if suddenly we had a whole bunch of what we call bogans over here coming along to our gigs and yeah, <laughs> you know, causing problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. For the, for the American audience, the, <laughs> the, the, the American audience might wonder what that word means. Bogan, uh, probably someone from the Hicks, the sticks, uh, yokels. Uh, right. <laughs> um, it, it's interesting, you know, when, when you and I were, uh, coming of, coming of age with music, music was really quite tribal in the sense that you could tell how somebody dressed what their record collection was. I mean, it was pretty, <laughs> right. It was, it was pretty yeah. obvious, and I think that in the you know I grew up in the eighties, and it was very clear um, that guy listens to Judas Priest, that guy listens to Split Ends. It was very obvious, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And that's been lost. That's not that sort of that tribalism of being able to identify people who have the same taste as you is no longer, that's no longer a thing. But I was at a, at a party years ago and there was a girl wearing a Bats shirt. And I thought, <laughs> cool. well, that, well, she's on my team. Like that, that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> lovely. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I, I, I think if, if you ask though, some of the uh, 14, 15 year olds, they would be able to pick it up. We've got, we've got uh, friends who, um, we, the our, their kids come and stay with us now and again, and yeah, you know, we went to town with them. And and the, the the girl who I think was thirteen, she might be fourteen now, she was walking around with us and saying, "Oh, there's some such and such people, or there's some what's it people, right? What are they? What are these names?" So I think the young ones have probably got their uh, tribal identification through through fashion and clothes, but um, not us anymore. I think as we get older, we probably broaden out and become our own thing. Some people still wear the dark stuff, and I must admit, I'm often wearing black myself. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I like to. Um, if I'm in the mood for it, I'll color up. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I, yeah. I spoke to um, Peter Milton Walsh of the apartments last week. And I was asking him about the idea that when he was, you know, in the, in the 80s, you had the Triffids and you had um, the go-betweens and you had Nick Cave and you had all this sort of like really powerful, evocative Australian poetry happening. And in, in, and I asked him if that made him feel like he had to really stay on his game. Moving it over to New Zealand where you had, I mean, like the Chills and the Verlaines and the Clean and the Bats all and Sneaky Feelings all in that same pocket at the same time. Um, was it, was the, in terms of, you know, keeping your level high, was that a conscious thing? Like, oh, we got to, these bands are really good. We got to stay, we got to stay on pace with them. I guess so. I'm, I, I'm finding it hard to remember how I've, felt back then to be honest um but i i was aware of uh 
uh, changes in world world fashioned with music. And I mean, the grunge thing came in. We thought, oh, gosh, what do we do? <laughs> you know, like, are right. we going to be ignored? Uh, you know, um, there's all these high powered grunge power, almost power pop sort of feel to, to some of these things. And um, you know, are we going to have to? Uh, harden up our sound a bit or something <laughs> and I think we did to a degree I think with um, with Silverbeat I suppose you'll find us sort of really um, bowing to change uh, you know to, to keep keep the game up as it were yeah <laughs> yeah um, yeah so but yeah oh certainly impressed with a lot of those acts as well back then but um, probably not not really uh, our cup of tea <laughs> yeah we, yeah. we were still seeking out bands that you know played music that wasn't shouting at you or um, you know not not key on shouting or or someone um, showing off with the lead break or something like that. Yeah, po- poses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, did did Nirvana do anything for you in terms of? Oh, yeah, Nirvana were one that we particularly loved. We we, th- we thought were fantastic, and actually got to see them in Melbourne along oh. with Robert. Yeah, so uh, I was lucky enough for that. Uh, unfortunately, I uh, my uh, love for getting on the dance floor, uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't really, um, I couldn't go there. It was it was just cram packed with slammers. A lot of the guys with their shirts uh, shirts off. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was a bit dangerous for me. <laughs> yeah, so I sort of scuttled off to the side and and watched from afar. <laughs> We, you know, the perception for Americans, at least, you know, in the music community here, is we sort of think that, like, like the sound of New Zealand, the indie pop sound of all those bands I mentioned, we sort of had this romantic idea that everyone's friends and everyone knows each other and everyone, like, hangs out. I mean, is that actually true or was that true or is that just a misconception of a lot of bands coming from the same place around the same time? Um. Uh- it's too, true to an extent, um, especially in early days. Um, and I know when um, the, the, that bunch of bands that you mentioned uh, you know, was just starting starting out, and um, I, I, I just finished up with Toy Love, so um, people kind of knew me a little bit from that. And um, Bob, I think, was doing the clean thing, but um, yeah. It was a bit stop-starty with them, um, uh, but but uh, the, those bands, as they toured around the country, they often would come and stay with us. So um, we opened up our home to help them, you know, throw throw a mattress on the floor, uh, cook up some food for them. Uh, so we we got to know a lot of those people through that, and I did a lot of live sound mixing for for the Flying Nun bands when they came to Christchurch because. Uh, they couldn't afford to tour with um, extra people. They couldn't squeeze them in the car. <laughs> um, and uh, and then we, we ended up um, recording uh, the chills and the stones from the Dunedin uh, double EP um, at our place at Longfellow Street. So we got, got to know Jules pretty well and the stones guys pretty well. And, um, yeah, we, we still meet up. We still feel like old friends. But... Um, yeah, not not nearly as much as we used to because those bands don't tend to tour as much, and now they they tend to to like the comfort of a motel or have their own space, I suppose, <laughs> when they when they tour. Occasionally, we still get them staying. You know, Jay Clarkson um, 
who is uh, from Breathing Cage. I don't know if you know her at all. Um, uh, she's uh, got a new band called The Containers, and they were due to come and stay with us. So they're good friends. And Mike Dooley from The Toy Love actually drums with them. Yeah. And Alan Haig, who was a uh, drummer for Jules uh, at one stage, is playing keyboards. So great group, great group. Yeah. Yeah, the Chills have had more members uh, almost, I think, than the fall. <laughs> oh, yes, easily, yeah. I would say. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of people. Um, the, yeah, and this is a business where I think it's very hard to maintain friendships. So it's nice to see that you have, you know, maintained friendships over the years. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, get on well with uh, the flying nun people, Roger and, and Co. And, um, yeah, I, I also met a lot of musicians from different, genres of music through um through working at students association for 16 years so uh, yeah it's, it's quite nice you sort of uh yeah 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 you kind of feel like you are part of the same team <laughs> like yeah. you were saying with the t-shirt thing you know like yeah ah there's a musician that's someone i I'd admire <laughs> you know? right. yeah. he he gets it <laughs> <laughs> yeah right and, and we're pretty small country like so what we got getting up on for 5 million here in New Zealand at the moment. Our hometown's only got about 450,000 or something like that. Uh, Dunedin's about half that. So, you know, that's, that's, our, that's South Island cities. <laughs> they call them cities, but they're not really. Oh,
I look at the at the the bats, and I think the lineup has been the same, um, right? There's been no no major changes. No, no, amazing, eh? Absolutely yeah. amazing. Um, we would never have believed <laughs> it could last this long with the same lineup. Um, and uh, do you have talk about that a bit, um, especially recently when you know it's a bit more focus on it. Um, and we've never really said that's it. The bats are no longer. Um, people say, "Oh, the bats have regrouped," uh, but we've never, we've never really felt like we've split. <laughs> and we've pretty much every year over that career, we've we've performed uh, or done some recording or something, yeah, or learnt up some new songs, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, um, the bats. You guys never ungrouped. No, exactly. <laughs> um, we, we, there are only two occasions where, um, due to uh, Malcolm um, was away and we were invited to play, we had um, another guy join us on drums. Uh, and then once when our daughter was sick, Kay couldn't make a gig and we had a person play guitar with us. But uh, <laughs> So that, that's the only two occasions I can recall where the bats called the bats weren't the bats <laughs> right as we know it <laughs> well you know what's really great about you know for it's 40 years right i mean it's basically 40 years of of so it's pr- yeah very close very close yeah. no, another two years two years away yeah, yeah. okay yeah. so i mean with, yeah. with with nearly 40 years of work it's really interesting and i'm not sure how you deal with this um to look at the whole body of work and sort of think about it as one big living piece um you know, because to me, like the bat sound is unmistakable. And I think like the new stuff sounds as strong as you guys have ever sounded. It's just been like progressing towards this kind of like really interesting um, place artistically where it feels like something, it's always been leading to this place. So when you go back and listen to, or think about, I don't know if you listen to the, to the records, but when you think about it, do you feel like there's this sort of sonic progression that's sort of building and going to a specific artistic area yeah um i i actually um i do listen back now and again um some stuff i avoid <laughs> i haven't listened to fear of god for quite a while um <laughs> I love that record. not not one of our favorites the band's favorites um yeah it just feels a little bit sanitized by overly being overly produced but I, I should go and listen to it again, shouldn't I, really? But, yeah, you know, I, I just like to do that, to just to go back and reference to see, hey, what did we do back then? How did we sound back then? And I'm pleasantly surprised with how things sounded way back then. You know, like a, um, sometimes it gives me a little bit of a thrill to, to, to listen to some of the old songs and think, wow, we did pretty pretty good recordings back then, and despite the fact that people said that, uh, we were lo-fi and all that. I thought, oh, I actually, I like it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, and I don't, I, I, I'm always trying to hone things and make it sound better. But um, I think the trick is just trying to capture a, a feel, a, 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 you know, rather than getting overly complicated with, um, with how you record. It's just, um, you know, like in terms of technically getting the right mics or right production and all that is to make everyone feel comfortable and be able to hear each other so we can actually spark off each other in a, in, in a recording situation. And, and it does feel like we're playing together rather than parts thrown together, you know. Yeah, so, 
Yeah, yeah, a bit of reflection there. Um, and I think we have evolved, certainly. And as I said before, I thought that the that grunge period, but uh, <laughs> I think if I listen to Silverbeat now, I'm thinking, wow, we're pretty, uh, yeah, there's a pretty meaty meaty sound in the production going on there. And I, I like it. I, yeah. I like what I hear. Um, <laughs> yeah, but now we're kind of, I think we've kind of, um, yeah, I think there's, um, we're, we're probably, I don't know. Have you managed to hear the album? Oh, yeah. The new album? Yeah, yeah I love yeah. it. What do you think? <laughs> oh, I mean, have we changed? Have we well, the thing is, you know, this is what I was thinking about: is that there is when you guys get together, you four, there's this bat's pocket. It's just this thing that happens. It's totally magical. Um, and to me, it sounds it sounds more bats than ever, which means I love it. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Oh, lovely. Yeah. I, I I think I know that when when we were talking about, hey, where we record the next album and. Uh, who will we get to help uh, engineer or produce? And um, then I thought, well, that's the tent. So let's just look back at what's worked for us. And, you know, our first album, Daddy's Highway, we pretty much recorded it ourselves and produced it ourselves. And, um, and, and you know, like uh, half of it was done in, in uh, Glasgow in a, just someone's home studio, a real basic little studio. And, uh, and that's been hurrahed as one of our best albums. So um, I, I thought, oh, why don't we just go back, do it ourselves, don't have anyone else around. So, um, you know, we can just be ourselves. I could twiddle the knobs, you know, get everyone comfortable and then push go and um, re- record. The question I'm asking doesn't really have an answer because ultimately there's no finish line, right? Like you can't, there's not, you're not artistically, you don't get to a place where you spike the football and stop the clock and say, I've won. I mean, like not even <laughs> right? Did that because you're, because as an artist, you're always trying to do better. You're always trying to apprehend that moment of inspiration. And I always liken it to, you know, rolling the boulder up the hill and then it rolls back down. So you, it's what keeps you going as an artist. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But when I listen to the bats, to me, it sounds f- at once familiar and new at the same time. The new album for me, right? right. Oh, that's that's great. <laughs> I really appreciate hear that because um, we're never quite sure how it's going to be received by others, and yeah, you get a little bit close to it for a while. I mean, I I, I think um, for probably uh, getting on for two years. Um, there wasn't a, uh, many days that went by where I wasn't either uh, recording something or mixing something or adding something to that album. So um, I got a little bit kind of tired of it in a way, but um, yeah, and it was a job. <laughs> it felt like yeah. a job. It got to that point. And then I kind of like left it for all of a couple of weeks <laughs> and came back and listened to it again. And I thought, wow, I love this. <laughs> this is good. This works. And, yeah. um, and I was tapping my foot and singing along and, and that made me feel great. And that was around the time when um, halfway between when Warwick came out and another door. Yeah. So that was only a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And, 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 um, and it, and it, to me, it does feel like it, it is um its own it has its own sound its own feel um 
yeah, partly because of what Bob's writing, I suppose, you know, like um, he's constantly writing songs and um, some of those are, are probably songs that he's dug out from his um, archives. And I, I think smaller pieces might be one of those that, um, yeah, it doesn't feel like so much now, but it's a lovely one to bowl along to. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, and, and Kay, she's, she's evolved and, you know, and and I've evolved as a, an engineer, but Malcolm's uh, just consistent as ever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and and he, you know, he he he's not a technical drummer. He doesn't really think about what the hell he's doing. Um, he just gets in there and plays it, you know. And uh, absolutely love that. And, and 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 for me, from the engineering side, um, yeah, I'm exploring, you know, new plugins and methods of making it sound better. And uh, and tweaking, you know, things like Kay's, Kay's guitar. We put some effects on Kay's guitar on a couple of songs on there that uh, gave it a bit different atmosphere. Another Doors, one of them. There's, um, you know, the tremolo-y thing going on there and um, used a bit of Ebo on some stuff, which is new for us. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so, and, yeah, look, looking back, this, the other other albums we've thought, hey, how can we make this one sound different? And, and I've said, hey, let's go more acoustic on this. And we start out that way, but it never ends up as an acoustic album. And then there was one, uh, Guilty Office, which I absolutely love, is we, we got um, Alan Starrett to do some string arrangements on it and um, pretty much sent the mixes of the band down to him and, and he, he applied some beautiful strings and, Ah, oh, I love that album with with this this those string. It's real string heavy, and um, you know, uh, this harp on it, and he plays um, viola and um, dulcimer and all sorts of lovely instruments. And um, yeah, so I've actually done a, a mix of that without the vocals. So there's an instrumental mix of Guilty Office around, which I'd love to release one day. I think people would see it as um, you know, complete in itself. Yeah, especially those people that might think, uh, I like the bats, but Bob's voice is a bit nasally or something like that. There's, there's a few of them around. So, oh, well, we'll give you instrumental bats. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd love to do Spotify playlists with instrumental bats and um, candlelight bats or dance bats, you know. So, we've got all these right. different playlists because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes we maybe. Uh, going a little bit too diverse with some albums, you know, like um, we, we try to throw everything in there. We do a slow one, we do a fast one, we do medium one, you know, and maybe if someone's in a party mood, it's not such a good record. <laughs> so now you can do these Spotify lists. We should, we should get other people to do them though, shouldn't we? We shouldn't <laughs> do them ourselves. <laughs> well, I've always loved the work because I feel, I've always felt that the bass were so difficult to describe it's more of like a feeling that you get from the music like there's there's a specificity and also a vagueness um so you're it's there there's, there's a mystery to the music i've always found especially in in his lyrics um yeah like, yeah, like yeah. a song like you know like, like dancing as the boat goes down like i i feel like i know exactly what it means and i also have no idea what it means <laughs> yeah, well, I'm the same. <laughs> yeah, I, I do sometimes uh, force myself to actually listen to the lyrics to make sure I'm not putting a a dance beat or a dance bass part onto a, a sad sad song that shouldn't right. really be treated that way. But I've made a mistake of doing that a few times. I go, go back to them now. I thought, oh shit! Why did I? 
play that bass like that on that's those with those lyrics <laughs> Poor yeah. Bob, he's very tolerant <laughs> very tolerant of what we do <laughs> i mean have you noticed in terms of his lyrics have you noticed a a change in how he writes or have you noticed like it's more refined than ever i mean in other words i don't want to say like have you noticed he's improved because i think that's a misleading question but have you noticed that he seems to be getting at something more specifically than he was maybe 20 years ago yeah i i do think so i i i know that um occasionally we'll um put the lyrics uh in the uh, in with the album you know like in, in a, a sheet lyric sheet yeah. or something like that and um, there's some albums which we thought, mm, maybe we won't do that. Some of these songs are great, but others are, oh, well, <laughs> who wants to read that? Uh, but this late, latest album, um, I just think, is really strong. And, um, yeah, that's what we've done again there. So. And he, he seems like he's never, he doesn't stop. He seems like he just keeps, he's like a machine. <laughs> he is. <laughs> it's amazing, eh? Yeah, uh, and, it, and it's and it's interesting. Sometimes we don't think we, he really knows the difference between a great song and a um, pretty average one, you know, because um, yeah, he'll throw a lot of stuff at us, and, and uh, we'll we'll pick and choose and say this this one's really great. Oh, okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what that's what Peter from the apartments was telling me about about Forrester and McLennan is he was saying like McLennan would, would come in with like 50 songs and Forrester would have like two, but, but Forrester, <laughs> he was, a, he was a really great filter and he would say no on these ones, Grant and yes on these ones. And so, yeah. you know, like, like it's really good to have a band member where, or band members who can say, let's not do those ones. Let's do these ones. And, and the songwriter goes, okay, <laughs> <laughs> pretty agreeable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and um, yeah, we we all, uh, Cave, Malcolm, and I all seem to be reasonably um, agree agree on on what we like and what we don't like. Yeah. yeah. Although, yeah. although I must say, there are some some songs that I feel like, wow, where did that come from? You know, like instrumentally, how did that one come together? And I just absolutely love some some of the ones that Kay doesn't like, which is you know puzzles me. They don't, she doesn't want to do certain ones live that I would love to try live. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's, that's good. We all, we all um, have our own taste and our own yeah, input. And yeah, try and filter out the crap. <laughs> right. But you guys are proof that, that a band can have a functional democracy and like everyone <laughs> seems cool with each other. Like everyone respects each other's opinions and differences. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think, um, one one secret to that is that we don't overplay and we don't uh, spend too much time with each other. Although I'm stuck with K for all the time. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> we get on okay. Yeah, you guys seem like you're doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, in terms of the sequencing of the album, it really feels to me like the opener and the closer are very specific. And so the the album ends, it feels novelistic in a way to me, in, in a more of an impre- impressionistic kind of way, because it's not so literal. Um, but when we get to the end, Paul, it feels like you're at the end. Did you get that yeah. as well? Yeah, you're, t- you're taken off on a journey on the electric sea. <laughs> exactly. uh, um, uh, and and we, we actually spent some time over that track listing, which is uh, probably more than we've ever done. Um, we must have thrown 10 different configurations out there between the band and, and said, which one works? And um, I actually went to my daughter's, uh, who 
I both respect their musical tastes and, and said, hey, which songs do you like? What should we start with? <laughs> you know, like that. Uh, so, um, yeah, everyone had a different idea. Um, so we just kept juggling. And I think um, <clears throat> the final thing is, okay, let's just cut out all the songs and we'll jiggle them around and see, you know, like uh, in a list, you know, a physical list on the table. So <laughs> that's what we did, really. Um, so, um and, and then even from there, it chopped, chopped and changed a bit. Um, uh, I think uh, starting with, um, uh, oh, God, I forgot the name. The one we start with. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a bit of a different feel for us. And, um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was a nice way to start. Yeah, so I'm glad we, that was my, I was pushing to that, start with that one. Yeah, so. Yeah, no, I think I think the choices are, are yeah. the sequencing is perfect on this album. Um, yeah. In terms of as a, as a final note, in, in terms of because of the way the world has changed, do you imagine? And and I won't hold you to this, I promise. But do you imagine that another Bats album would come pretty quickly on the heels of this one because of how we are now? Oh, um, possibly. Like <laughs> um, I know that we do have some mini snaps. Um, songs that we've recorded a wee while ago that we'd really like to polish off and get out there. And then also there's this project we're doing with Hamish at the moment, which, uh, yeah, just just something that uh, could potentially come out reasonably quickly. Um, so in the meantime, um, we've got other things we can do. Uh, and uh, and Bob is now um, uh, occupying himself a lot more with um, a, a the gallery he and his partner have opened up down in Port Chalmers called PCR, the PC for Port Chalmers, <clears throat> but a bit of a play on words. And um, they're, they're having a lovely time with that and having exhibition openings and things like that. Yeah. So um, he's probably a little bit more occupied, maybe not writing quite so much. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> we'll see. But um, it, it certainly this one came around a lot quicker than we expected after Deep Set. Um, so yeah, Bob Bob was keen to to get the ball rolling, and then yeah. the clean aren't happening now, and <clears throat> he's got a um a side project uh, like a a covers band called the Moorporks uh, down and down at Eden. So yeah, so he's he does that as well, but that's uh, is um you know for the original out outlet the bats is it right now. Yeah, although there's a good chance he'll bring another solo album out. Yeah, you know, he's uh, yeah, and uh, that's they're, they're they're wonderful. They're great. Well, I have to tell you, nothing makes me happier than a new Bats album. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I've I've been listening to you guys since '87, and you know, it just it's been such a source of of delight for me. I love your band, and um, I'm so happy and so excited for everyone to hear this new album. And, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me, man. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Well, how about that? Paul Keen of The Bats. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, go to The Bats website, thebats.co.nz. As they say on their official page, it's a living thing. It sure is. Go buy their album. Foothills is the name of it, and it is fabulous. You can visit me at alexgreenonline.com. You can also email me, editor at stereoembersmagazine.com, or if you want to get super social media about it, then just follow me on Twitter, at Embers Editor, or follow me on Instagram, 
at Ember's podcast. No, I'm not on TikTok yet. I know I'm getting old, by the way, because I'll see a beautiful woman doing a dance on TikTok. And all I can think is, wow, she has a really nice house. (laughs) In the old days, the house uh, would not have come to mind, is all I'm saying. Uh, Bombshellradio.com is where you have to go to find out what makes our radio station tick. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use. You know, subscribe. Leave us a nice rating. Maybe a couple of sentences uh, that tell us how you feel. (laughs) It sounds like I'm giving you a... Uh, an essay to write, a couple of words just saying that you enjoy our program uh, would mean a lot. Let's close the show with a longer listen to Warwick from the Bat's new album, Foothills. Enjoy it, and I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio. Tell her back to the truth you want Make up shit, believe in it Yeah.